Hey, so this is the first Welcome to Macintosh Extra of Season 3. It's for Part 1 of the Emoji series, called Will You Be My Emoji? And if you haven't already listened to that, go do that first. This really isn't going to make that much sense otherwise. Uh, Think of this as an audio digestif, you know, uh, it follows the main course. Okay, so originally I had a pretty different beginning to the whole series. And I kind of just want to share that with you. Pull that up. About a year ago, I was in San Francisco for a conference, EmojiCon, a conference all about emoji. The first talk was by a guy named Mark Davis. He's the co-founder and president of the Unicode Consortium, an organization that deals with, among many other things, defining and adding new emoji. He explained the process of how an emoji goes from an idea to your phone, the proposals and revisions, committees and subcommittees, but that ultimately, any regular person could essentially champion and try to get an emoji created. After the talk, there was a Q&A, and for the first person to the mic, this whole concept was a revelation. His name is Mac Flavel. Hello. Hi. Um, He's from Vancouver. Canada. Woo! And he was intrigued. You talked about the process of adding emoji, which is super interesting. I'm going to get all over that. Uh, do they ever get unadded? Do they ever get removed? Like, does this only grow or does it shrink as well? Yeah. Um, that's one, that's a, a very good question. Um, once they're in, they're in forever. I asked Mac what was going through his mind when he learned this. This idea that my kids, when they're telling their kids, about their grandpa could be like, pull out your VR mind meld device and pull up the Biltolt emoji or the milkshake emoji. See those things? That was grandpa. Damn, dude, that's crazy. That's really like, that's really unbelievable weird way to think about, but in fact have a dramatically impactful legacy. This idea that an emoji was something I could create, that I could have as a legacy, this had lured me in when I first learned of it, too. It was why I was in San Francisco in the first place, at that conference. For that point, I was in the thick of navigating the committees and subcommittees, pushing for my own emoji. But by then, I had also learned that none of it was as simple or as straightforward as I had imagined. That everything about emoji, from who decides about which emoji get to be, to how the process works, to how they're drawn or how they're encoded, it is politicized and controversial in a way that I had never expected. And by the end of it all, I would wind up with more questions than I had started with. So I wound up totally rewriting that whole opening. No, I switched to my own moment of discovery, which felt ultimately more important for giving the story momentum, more like where the whole thing kind of started. But Mac was just so fun that it made me really sad to cut him out of the story, Uh, so I really wanted to share that with you here. Um, And a somewhat sad update on Mac's story. None of his emoji proposals have been approved for the next round of emoji. But... He does not seem like the type who will give up easily. I would not be surprised if 
when you get some new emojis on your keyboard in 2019, his legacy is one of them. Okay, so next up. When I was talking to Jenny, there was one thing that I thought was particularly interesting. This idea that Unicode is really into other standards bodies and defined sets. Uh, let me pull up the tape here. Okay, here it is. I think Unicode basically likes when there's like a standard. They're like, we're going to encode all the Olympic sports. Like they like that, like just as a, as a culture, they really like completing things. Sets, colors, right? Completion. Speaking of color, one of the new emoji that's coming to your phones by the end of the year is the orange heart. You know, there's already been a red, a yellow, green, blue, purple, but no orange. So they wanted to have the full rainbow of emoji hearts. And since orange is my favorite color, I'm rather chuffed about this. Anyway, Unicode's fixation on these standards totally makes sense. I mean, what else do you expect when you put a standards body of computer scientists and engineers in charge of this cultural phenomenon? Here's a perfect example, right? Like, what color skin tone should we use? And they're like, hey, look, there's a dermatology system all for that. You With like one through six, the Fitzpatrick scale, right? That's great, right? Because then they can point to like, well, we just use a Fitzpatrick scale, which is used by dermatologists worldwide. Anything where there's like an existing system that they can just like adopt, much easier than like trying to come up with something from scratch. Unicode loves when other standards bodies and genuine experts in a field have already done some of the heavy lifting. And if you're writing a proposal, it can be good to drop some knowledge about some of those obscure details. Like understanding, like showing some sophistication with understanding emoji in Unicode is good. Like for the hijab emoji proposal, uh, this 15-year-old girl mentioned Fitzpatrick, <laughs> like skin tones. And that was like, if someone is talking about Fitzpatrick's skin tones, then they told, they, there are no, you know, emoji neophyte. And nobody wants to seem like an emoji neophyte. So if you look at my proposal, you'll see references to Fitzpatrick skin tones, zwidge sequences, all sorts of fun jargon. Okay, that's all for now. Let me know what kinds of stuff you want to hear in these extras in the future. I really want to shape these around y'all. Thanks again for your support of Welcome to Macintosh. Bye for now. <laughs>